0: hobie hobie is everything and more hobie is everything and more anytime he does anything it's great he's perfect what do you want me to say what the fuck do you want me to say like everything he does everything he touches turns to gold <laughs> So get you done. Putting jumps out with your hair massage. Man, I'm losing the maze in the darkness. I beat my face. Moving fast, cause I'm over on the way. Taking pictures, make sure you can see no less. And we secure like the Hello and welcome to another episode of Grown-Ass Fandom. Sinead here. It's a new episode, a new week, and we have a pretty full week. I feel like this week, is going to be interesting because it's going to be i I'm planning for it to be like a model, more or less, of like what I would like the podcast to be in the future, kind of expansion and all that. That's something that I have talked about, but a lot of the episodes still are about BTS, so this one is going to be less so. And we're going to talk about a couple different topics and sort of like overall strategy, business, stuff of that nature. So to begin the first thing we're going to be talking about is Lil Nas X. And him, and you know, it's so funny because he was the first person I talked about on this podcast. If you remember, if you look back at the very first episode, literally the very first episode, our very first locals news was about Lil Nas X and his video, Call Me By Your Name. And so I think it's, So I think it's fitting that we sort of return back to him with this big question that's been on my mind and my heart, which is, is he actually the Britney Spears of Gen X? Gen X. (laughs) Generation Z. I mean, for, you know, Gen X too. Because, you know, I said that Doja Cat and maybe they can both be. But the thing about... Lil Nas X, and what's so interesting about what he's been able to do is, I don't think that anybody thought that there was anything after, old, you know, old town road, which I guess irony because RM is on that song, and they were duking it out on the Billboard 100 this week, and. P, which we'll talk about a little bit in a second we're going to talk about sort of like charts and like bts and all that stuff but uh as far as Lil Nas X I don't think anybody expected that anything would come of him other than this sort of very viral hit but I think that we did know that when we saw the v- the music video that he at least had vision like vision well b- beyond beyond his years. And when we talk about sort of like how you, it's something that I freak about my myself and my own career and stuff like that is about like how so much of success in business and life and creativity is about evolution and being able to adapt to the times, be creative, be ahead of things. And he just always seemed to be ahead of things. And with the video a couple months ago, it seemed like he was an artist who has really something very specific to say. And he's such a revolution. And I think it makes him so appropriate that he is a Gen Z superhero, because uh, of all generations, they're the most sort of like queer forward. They are the most, quote. like, we can sort of argue about, like, the actual sort of politics of Gen Z versus the brand of Gen Z, and it's, like, a whole other story that we can talk about at another time because of, like, I think I've talked about this before, and was this the first episode as well where I talked about, like, how Gen Z's politics appear to be really progressive, but really they still think about things in a very old-school way. It's just buried like rhetoric that is meant to be more progressive. That's uh, a Conversation for another time. But um, he being a gay black man, which is, you know, if you are part of the black community, you know how big of a deal that is. Even if you're outside of it, you can sense that, you know, our culture specifically has a lot of issues with people who are LGBTQ and all that good stuff. So the fact that he is out and proud and not just like is out here, but has a, like a clear gay Agenda. And I don't say that in a, a mean way, in the way that like homophobic say, but in that he is trying to uh, reimagine the way we see these images. He's trying to take the stuff that's unseen and make it seen. He's really trying to u- uncover this hidden world that has been really pushed to the side, especially by the black community and hidden and to not be seen. And he's making it seen all while creating these videos that are just like such. Art. And I was thinking about the video and I just thought that it reminded me so much of Missy Elliott. It reminded me so much of all those videos in the early 2000s and Britney and all that stuff, just sort of like the scope, the vision of it and sort of like just like the visual, just the visual aspect to it and in addition to that like and it just seems like every video he puts out has this sort of like high the thing about Britney Spears and I talked about how is Doja Cat the next Britney Spears and a good case for him is that they he also has a really amazing vision for videos he has a really good sense and this is something that Brittany had as well. And this, I don't know if this was Brittany herself or the machine behind her. He has a really good sense of how to create imagery that is going to stand out, get attention, and get people talking. Giving the devil a lap dance. And then in this one, sort of like the jail theme and everything like that. He knows how to get attention. And he's very, he participates a lot in the marketing of himself. And, you know, there was a lot of energy put behind this release. I do think that BTS and Lil Nas X are actually label mates, which is really interesting. But you know, on the sort of distribution side but it just he puts so much work into it he promotes it he did this thing where he had he promised to share the uncensored version of the video and it was a huge troll like he gets it and I just am very excited about his presence and what he's doing and what he has the potential to do as an artist like he's only 22 and I always like talk about how like a lot of these people are so young so what's going to happen when they're like 30 and he's at the beginning of his like career and he's already making these decisions and he already has the vision for it. So what's going to happen in three years, four years, five years. So I'm just very excited by him. I think that he has the potential to be a really big, amazing artist. I think that especially once, you know, I think that, the marketing of artists and stuff like that really needs to catch up with the times in a lot of ways. Obviously Olivia Rodrigo is sort of like the playbook for this, but I think as the other industry catches up and figures out, okay, how do we market these songs? What do we do now? Like, what do we need to focus on? What is like the income model could be? I think he could be a really big player. And so I'm just very excited to see him. I'm, I love the song. The song's a fucking bop. He looks hot in the video. Everybody looks amazing. Jack Harlow is somebody that I need to look into. Again, like, I feel like I'm too old for Jack Harlow. Like, I see him on TikTok sometimes. And I'm like, who is this random white man that seems to have everybody in the clutches? Like, literally... I, so I was raised in, so I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, raised in Decatur, Georgia. And then my parents moved me to the suburbs in Grayson, Georgia. And he looks like somebody who would have attended my school. So I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't get it. Somebody explain it to me. If you're somebody who's really into Jack Carlo, please, please explain it to me. Cause I don't understand. Like, I think people were like, oh, he's the sexiest guy. Ever. like, of all races. And I'm just like, what am I missing? What am I missing? But yeah, if you haven't watched the video, go fucking watch it. It's so good. What it does and just like how and it's just a very brave thing to do to stand up to your community like this because it's not a small thing that he's doing it's really not a small thing and he keeps doing it and he keeps challenging norms and he keeps pissing people off and I'm just sort of happy so happy that we can have an artist like that in this day and age so I do think that there is a really good compelling case for him to be the next Britney Spears or is the Britney Spears because of what he's doing is very aligned with like I said the the biggest thing is just like It's just having a really good sense of what he can do that is going to start conversation and understanding how people work and taking his identity. And this is something that like, I guess this is on my mind a lot because I'm... Please, okay, please listen to this podcast. Let me fucking find it. This podcast, I am so obsessed with it. Uh, I listen to it all the time. It's like a good local distraction. Uh, You know, you need stuff to do. What is it called? I think it's called... Once upon a time in the valley, it's about Tracy Lords, who is a porn star, and in the early '80s, and and one of the things that's about and she was like underage and stuff. That's not really a spoiler. That's like everybody knows that. That's like a you know a forty year old spoiler, but it sort of like charts her journey, as you know. The, the way that she was able to you understand sort of like the subversiveness and the sort of tabooness of her identity and use it in, in her advantage in order to further her agenda is something that I feel like little Naessk is really really excellent in and he just is like a very just straightforward strategist who understands that his Identity, as he's working through his own stuff, and I think he is working through his own stuff about his identity, coming out, all that stuff, and and being a... Pride in his community as he's working through that stuff, he's also able to use people's fears against him to gain power and notoriety for his music. And so, I'm so proud of him. Good luck to him. I'm so glad that he got number two on the Billboard Top 100. I hope, I do hope that I really would like for him to get number one. Don't hate me. Butter's been there forever. He can get number one. I I hope that he gets it within the next couple weeks. So, that is our. Little Nas X talk. So, on that, so with that in mind, I was really interested to see. So, this week, as you're listening to this, Butter is number one again. And I was looking at the numbers and stuff like that because I was just like really, really, to be honest, confused because it's been so many weeks. And I wanted to sort of see like how it was going. Like, was it the streaming campaigns or was it whatever? And it seemed like the biggest sort of driver for because when it comes to pure streams and plays, uh, Little Nas X won. But when it comes to physical sales, BTS won. And so what are some of the, and so like, and then it's like, okay, so are they just going to be number one forever? And okay, here's a question. Did they release Dynamite individually or was it a part of Life Goes On? Because one of the things that I wonder is that if, if the physical copies and, you know, what makes okay so before bts really entered the chart and was really trying to play the game of the chart and really make that a goal a lot of the artists were doing packaging so they would sort of like in order to incentivize people to buy physical copies of albums they would like package them with t-shirts concert tickets whatever as a effort to increase their sales so that they can get higher billboard positioning what's interesting about K-pop and specifically is that built like buying shit that you don't need so that you can get sort of shit is like a part of the K-pop experience. So while somebody who follows Doja Cat probably hasn't bought a CD in 10 years, doesn't own a CD, would never think to own a CD. So asking them to buy a physical copy of a CD is a stretch K pop fans are so used to doing it. It's a part of the culture because of photo card culture. And so, one of the reasons why this is happening is that people want the photo cards. Like, I was watching this video just today and, it was, and the girls were screaming over that tay photo card and they are basically in the comments they were like oh yeah people are like out for blood to get it they're like selling it for two thousand dollars all for a piece of fucking cardboard you know what i mean like and it's and so like the the thing that makes the k-pop industry so powerful and specifically bts so powerful is that not only do they have the numbers because in marketing especially when you deal with influencers and you deal with people who just have large art, who have large art audiences, just because you have a large audience doesn't mean that they are going to buy from you. It doesn't mean that they are in the position to buy, that they want you, you know what I mean? And so they have, they have sort of like this golden ticket, which is K-pop audiences in general are buyers they're used to buying that's a part of the experience for them the unboxing experience like all of that is k-pop and so even if you have an artist like twice nct like any like they're all buying and so you have that and you add that to the fact that bts has the biggest fan base in the world and so we're all buying it just makes them seem really unstoppable and, again, it's, like, not something that, you know, K-pop fans even think about. Like, we make a joke about, like, I, you know, I don't buy albums. I don't buy anything. But people do. And so, and they're still buying albums. Like I said, they're still trying to get photo cards. They're still masked by International my all this stuff. And so when I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, so... Is BTS just always going to be number one on the charts? Because you can't really beat that. And when it comes to factoring in what makes a song number one versus, you know, number two or whatever, I think physical sales is heavily involved. I'd be curious to see, I think somebody said this in my discord, what happens when BTS goes up against like an Adele, Beyonce, even a, did Kanye have a single? I don't know how, like is Kanye canceled? This Kanye's proof that like you're, only canceled if you're it's harder to cancel really really talented people it took us so long to finally get rid of woody allen like 40 fucking years because it's really hard to cancel people who have talent especially men with talent anyways so yeah. So the, I think the, the, the buying effect and like the fact that Butter was released as a CD of Permission to Dance and all that stuff is a really big factor in its success. And so if I am an artist who's looking at this, what's the lesson to learn? It's really hard to understand how to implement something similar without getting caught in sort of like some of the repackaging laws that have been put in place to prevent like chart manipulation. Again, like you can't just introduce a culture of collecting to an audience that's not used to it. The steep, the the curve is too steep. That's why, like I said, that's why BTS is just sort of like eating it up right now. Because like I said, like I said, we were the biggest audience. We're used to buying stuff like that. But yeah, it just got me thinking it like it's a really interesting Strategy question, and maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not really factoring as, like I said, for example, Olivia Rodrigo was number one for driver's license for a long time. It was like 10 weeks or whatever. And she had no physical copy. Like she didn't have a CD out or anything like that. That was just that song being played a bunch and stuff like that. The BTS is the only artist on the chart that has physical copies as something that is contributing to their their numbers and I think it factors a lot higher. I saw a TikTok the other day that was talking about how Doja Cat's album flopped in sales. And again, it's because a lot of these artists do not know how to sell physical copies of things because there's no reason why there's no reason for you to have a physical copy of something. Somebody who was always really good at this was Taylor Swift, so I'm curious to see what happens when Taylor Swift comes back. She's really good at making her album packaging and everything around her valuable, right. There's secrets in things. There's Easter eggs. Like you you needed to get the whole package in order to unravel the mystery of what she was saying. But she was ahead of her time in that way. I mean, time will tell, you know, when she comes back. I, I, Cardigan, I don't have the numbers for Cardigan, but I think it was like the second most sold or whatever. But even with an audience, her, as big as hers is. And then also I think there is sort of like the aging effect is that at your audience ages they become less motivated to do this stuff so again I think that if I was like I said if I was talking to a little Nas X or another artist and it's like okay so like how do you compete on physical sales if we want to sort of have physical sales be a factor here how can we create an experience for our audience that makes them want to get the physical copies and be a part of that experience and it can't be photo cards like i know that they're going to try to do photo cards at some point i know that a while ago they were like put give sean mendes photo cards but i just don't think you can do it um it has to be something else. And again, like this is like the fun part of strategy, right? Is figuring out what could that something be. And like I said, I think that Taylor Swift is a good model of this. I know somebody else who does really well with physical sales has always been Adele. And that's because, and again, and this is like the catch 22, right? So like your aging audience, so, so you have an aging audience, but there's also a threshold of age in which they only buy physical. But yeah. So I think that it's just really interesting to think in terms of like, You know, BTS introducing this concept that physical copies can be such a huge factor in your success on the Billboard chart. But again, I guess it's like a factor of like, is this only a factor as long as BTS is a factor? So like when they're off the chart, you don't have to worry about it. So is this something you do? But I think that overall, I think that if you're an artist, there's so much income in physical copies. Obviously, look at the fucking hype building. So I think it's something worth the rest of the industry looking at. I know that they're probably like, I think it's too easy to just look at BTS and be like, oh, they just have like an obsessive fan base. And it's more important, like I said, from a strategy perspective to think about like the psychology of what's driving the sales and what is creating this experience. I mean, like one of the dark things about this whole thing, and I mentioned this uh, in my Discord, is that like one of the things, because I was like, oh, was like, why does like chart success bother me so much for BTS? And I think it's because a lot of it is just like this idea that we're all in this together and we're all trying to get this goal, but really we're just doing this for the sake of seven millionaires to have success within a system that like has no meaning. And part of the reason why we're doing it is because we want purpose and we want to be a part of something bigger. The getting deeper into the psychological reasons why this is happening can be a little dark, but I do think that there are some lessons that different industries can learn from their success. And again, I think that the success is repeatable and scalable. Blackpink was the biggest selling female artist last year, I believe. So it's really just about having an audience that has been trained into specific behaviors and just growing that audience so that you get the same result over and over again. At this point, the BTS billboard number one system is pretty like, it's like a machine at this point. Like, We stream, we buy, we stream, we buy, we stream, we buy. And even though the numbers were, like the actual streaming numbers and stuff like that were not as good, the fact that we are buying makes things stronger. So that's my little spiel on that. That's that on that. Let me know what you think about that. And again, like the music industry as a whole is in trouble. And BTS is one of the the few artists that's actually doing well. So I think it would behoove everybody to like sit back And just learn. And I think it feels like opaque and cultish from the other side. But I do think that there are things you can apply to your audience. And I think that Little Nas X does that in some in in little bits and pieces. I think Megan Thee Stallion does that. And I think that everybody just needs to sort of catch up as far as and you know, big like big hit bought the music industry. But that's the thing. Like this is the thing that's so frustrating about them is that they haven't really done anything to reflect their influence on these properties beyond just buying them Blackpink recently joined weavers and so i guess they're going the dig- they're, they're trying to become a digital sort of like platform For artists and connections and stuff like that. And so I guess building them into the Weavers, putting their merch there and stuff like that is a way to branch. I think that that is a smarter way to branch than like big hit education and all that shit. I think whatever. I think that kind of leveraging on what is successful within the big hit system is the best way to go. So yeah, like buying into YG, putting Blackpink on your platform, getting those people on that platform so that they can be ready to do other things within that platform. Stuff like that makes sense to me. So we will see what happens. Let's move on. Okay, so speaking of marketing, well, something that I was thinking about or somebody asked me a question to talk about Ryan Reynolds and to also talk about Bang Chan, which is really interesting that these these two would meet because I think in a lot of ways Ryan Reynolds is a marketing prodigy he's a straight up marketing prodigy that man is I'm okay We're just gonna say it he is not and he would admit it he's charming but he's not like it's so funny because for years Hollywood tried to make him happen and it just wouldn't work like the roles and stuff he would pick would just not be right and then it was when he took over his career his roles and what he in the marketing of himself is that when he became a star because if you look at his um IMDb page and the movies there's so many misses but because of his ability to market himself in order the ability he has to like put himself in the right position and to connect with the right people has made it to where he has this kind of a less reputation around him which is I don't know maybe not deserved and you can buy this to bang chan who is a member of stray kids who i also think is a marketing genius he seems to be really really tuned in and understand what it takes to uh make his band successful as we know drive ap does not do much on his own for the sake of his boy bands and it seems like he has really taken it upon himself to make the band successful and to sort of like create things with his like weekly show you know having you know okay Again, sort of like bringing the bell back and talking about how strategy works and how, like, how do you, how do you build an audience, right? Like, a lot of it, it's, it's consistency and community. So it's consistency and making people feel a part of something. So when he has his, like, sort of listening show that happens at the same time every single week, it's very much him talking directly to them. It's a community. I remember seeing, a, seeing one clip where he was giving like girls like period advice. You know what I mean? Just like positioning himself as like a safe boyfriend or friend to his audience that people can and creating a space where they have some type of consistency and reliability within their lives, which I like I said, we don't I talk a lot about it here about like the role that K-pop plays as therapy for a lot of people because of our broken uh healthcare system. But I think that, you know, being a constant for people being somebody that you can people can rely on makes people want to make you successful so he is also a bit of a marketing prodigy and understands how the k-pop relationships work and i think it's because he was a um i heard that he was in the system for a long time so the fact that those two are meeting i don't think that's by accident that i don't think that that's on accident so basically what happened is Stray Kids had a performance on Mnet where like I think Felix was it was like a Deadpool themed performance and I think that a lot of Ryan Reynolds fans tagged him and he just went right in there like he started and they started uh, going back and forth Bang Chan sent him an album they're like Twitter besties all that stuff and it's just so Fucking smart on both of their, on both of, on both sides because. Here's Ryan Reynolds, understands that he's like in his 40s now. He is going to make new movies when all this is over. He's going to have other opportunities. He understands the power of K-pop. He sees the numbers. Stray Kids has excellent numbers. He wants to be a part of that world in some shape or form. BTS is not accessible. They don't, like I said, they don't really play well with, they don't really play with others in that way. They're pretty isolated, but Stray Kids is an accessible artist. They've already sort of, brought him in by having a performance that's inspired by him and so it's an easy in and it's good for straight kids because if ryan reynolds wants to make a, a movie and wants to use a music in the next deadpool movie or something like that they're probably going to use straight kids you know what i mean like it's it's just like a really good marketing album it's like it's just like a very good partnership and it shows sort of like how kind of like it's almost like an affiliate re- marketing relationship where it shows sort of like the power of networking almost which sounds like a stupid thing to say within this context but it just shows like you can see how it's mutually beneficial Ryan Reynolds gets exposed to the k-pop audience he gets the k-pop stamp of approval and Meng Chan has the opportunity to maybe reach into Hollywood get other opportunities more American exposure stuff like that so in that way I think that it's genius they're both genius They both know and understand how to play the game. And actually, we like lost this thought with Ryan Reynolds. But yeah, like Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool changed his career and he did all the marketing for it himself. He would think of ideas like having Celine Dion sing the songs like he's so good at understanding what makes the project special and marketing it accordingly in a way that even the people around him didn't really know how to do. And so this actually came to fruition because Ryan Reynolds recently invited Bang Chan to go to the screening of Ryan Reynolds' new movie, Free Guy. And he was in the promo video. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're working. They're working it. It's all together. It's like a mutually beneficial thing. I think Ryan Reynolds also sent him tequila. Or his vodka, is aviation, whatever, which again is promo for his vodka. You know what I mean? So it's like people are playing the games. And I think it's just really interesting how this is like a really interesting case of how K-pop can have like a smoother transition into mainstream that's not like a hostile takeover. I don't mean that in a, that sounds like negative, but it's not. But like, that's what BTS is doing. Like BTS has really like, their strategy for breaking in America is to really just come at it. That's the ARMY strategy. Like we're called ARMY for a reason, is come in through brunt force, right? This is sort of like a different way of doing it, which is like, what is like a really natural, you know, we, like we're both clout chasing, that's fine. Mutually beneficial way for uh, us to work together. You know, that's sort of what I think is really interesting about the different techniques. I'm sure a lot more people who have been exposed to Stray Kids and a lot again. And then also Ryan Reynolds has the sort of like K-pop badge of approval, which is worth a lot when it's going to come time for him to promote his movie. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. So for this next section, we're just kind of like going to go through a couple of new releases I've seen, things that are coming up or whatever that I think will be interesting to talk about. So uh, let's start with somebody that we haven't talked about a lot in this uh, current era, which is Jackson. Jackson has a new song, Drive You Home, that came out on the 29th. I thought it was really interesting how moody the video was. So I'm curious to see what Jackson's career looks like post GOT7, because ultimately he's always had a really strong career, as a solo artist. And I do think it's interesting that he's been doing a lot of moodier, darker music. So I wonder what he's trying to say about his image. I wonder what he's trying to say about how he wants to sort of convey Like, does he want to get into acting? Like, what does he want his career to be? Because I said, like, the last couple things he's done have been on the darker, moodier side. So I just feel like that's something that I'd be curious to see of what Jackson is doing next. And he's always an entrepreneur, always this stuff, but I just think it's really fascinating that his sort of choice for the song and the direction seems to be like this. And I would love to sit him down and think about, like, What's the direction for him? As far as the song's concerned, you know, y'all know what I'm gonna say. It's not really my style. But also, like, what is it with God Seven and the Dead Girls? Like, why why <laughs> it's not all of God Seven, it's just Jackson and YG. But I don't I hope that this isn't becoming a trend of like sort of angsty because i mean listen we're not prepared to have a conversation about like what creative decisions like this mean about the psyche of these men so i'm not going to say anything about that but i just think it's weird that there's so many that that this is the second got seven members video with a dead girl (laughs) just saying. So, I'm curious to see what's going on and what he'll do next. If there's an album, he always has so much going on. It's always so hard to do it, but like I said, the song is like isn't just not my type of song, but I think technically it's good. And I just and it's just really then what I would expect. Okay, so some other releases that are coming up actually. So, we have Lisa apparently is going to be coming out with music in August. So, I'm curious to think of what it's going to be. Is it going to be her rapping? Is it going to be her singing? She has a really good singing voice in addition to being a pretty good rapper, especially for K-pop. Uh, can we, one day we will talk about uh, K-pop rapping. <laughs> you know how spoiled I've been with BTS, but Lisa has swagger and she has such amazing energy and she's such good. she's so good on stage. So I'd be curious to see what kind of, Thing we're gonna get obviously it's probably going to be a lot of dancing and stuff but i just am curious about the sound especially considering the different sounds of you know rose versus and okay queen jenny is she gonna come out with anything so jenny and and rose are recently in new york did we talk about this last week they were recently in new york to quote unquote work on music I think that they just sort of went to kind of like have some freedom <laughs> and to just sort of be out and were probably feeling very like suffocated within the system and just wanted to go out. And like the people that they were hanging out with, I was just like, oh, but I guess they're that age. I don't know, y'all. It's so crazy because like I feel like very like I don't want to be that type of person who has like this internalized shit where you're trying to protect them from anything and stuff like that. But I just know that LA is brutal. And, like, anytime anybody ever comes here, I'm just, like, I'd rather you not. <laughs> and it's, like, but I can't really protect anybody. So I hope that they have a good head on their shoulders. I mean, there's only so much you can actually get away with as a Korean person. I don't know what the drug testing is like there and stuff like that. But, like, all that stuff is so illegal. So I wonder, like, when what for what they were engaging, engaging in, how much they were engaging in, especially since, with the exception of BTS, like, I feel like BTS could be doing drugs and doing all this other stuff, and there's no way anybody's going to say anything, and there's no way that, like, we'll know. But I think that if you're not BTS, everybody else is very uh, vulnerable to their activities in Korea. I'm not sure they all drink and stuff like that, but some of these other things that people come to LA for, I wonder about that. So, yeah, so I'd be curious to see, and it's interesting that Lisa did not go he and Jisoo did also not go, but yeah. So Jenny and Roseanne were here to quote unquote work on music or just hanging out and having a little vacation, like just wanting to leave, leave, wanting to leave <laughs> and sort of like have a bit of a break because they've been all stuck in South Korea for almost two years now. It's a long time. I know that the guys are like, bless you guys in New York. I was hoping they would come to LA. I wonder if they will still come to LA if once they're here, we'll start traveling. Also, I do wonder now that the, the Delta variant is like super intense now, if they're still going to go. So anyway, let's move on. Some stuff that's going to be coming up that I think is really interesting. As you know, I am now getting into the boys. So the boys is coming out with a new comeback on the 9th of this month. TXT apparently has a comeback on the seventeenth. Did you guys see their biker concept? Really, really cool. Astro on the seventh. Are you guys fans of that dude? I call him chicken. <laughs> I call him chicken boy because he sells chicken. When I was in Korea, he his face was on everything because he sells chicken. Sorry. Uh, So that's happening on the 7th. Stray Kids is having a comeback on the 23rd. JB is coming up with something on the 26th. You know, right before I watched, so right before I started recording this, I watched a TikTok where he was like aggressively eating some ramen, but it looked like spaghetti. And I screamed, I screamed bloody murder that he was like eating what, what looked like spaghetti, but I think it's just ramen. NCT Hollywood apparently is coming. I don't know what's going on with that. Red Velvet. Red Velvet, Red Velvet, Red Velvet, As you know, I am a Red Velvet psycho stan. I fucking love that song. I just think it's perfect. I think it's just like, I just think it's perfect. I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like most K-pop songs, I feel like take a while to attach to my ear, especially since, you know, we talk a lot about kind of the, the Black influences on K-pop. But K-pop seems to be going through more of like an EDM type of phase right now. There's not much hip-hop around lately. And so that stuff doesn't really hit my ear that well. But yeah. I really, really love that song. I just think it's the perfect song. Apparently, Key from SHINee is coming out soon. And then just Jisoo will be doing a comeback. We don't know when. So that is some of the releases okay let's move on do you guys like our little news section we're flying we're doing pretty good on time i think okay moving on okay so what, why don't we do like a quick check-in on some of the stuff we talked about last week so 17 i have continued to go down the 17 rabbit hole i've been watching the reality show i've actually not had a ton of time to watch it but i was watching the rice patty episode i still feel like my guy is dk i really love him also like s coops i am obsessed with that song anyone and again it's not like a It's a song that just like, again, like I said, like I said earlier, a lot of times songs take a while to hit me and for me to be into them. But the Anyone song is just so good. I really like it. I, I still love Vernon. It's so funny that I recently introduced my friend to Seventeen and she loves Vernon as well. So the Seventeen discovery continues to go well. My friend sent me this video. I'll put it in the comments and it is a kind of I guess it's just, like, it's one of their concerts from 2017, and it's the rap line, and they're all going at it. It's a really good video, and so we're slowly, slowly, slowly diving into 17. There's a lot of members, so it's overwhelming, and I do think that I wonder... I was thinking about this when I was looking at aespa because I think I told you guys that aespa is super popular in Korea and overall they have a really amazing numbers uh that next level song is just like and I don't know if the next level song isn't hitting me because I know that it's from a fast and furious movie or what but I do I was I was looking at the success of aespa and I I don't know like my I will, maybe I'll say my opinions of why I think Espa is so popular in my OnlyFans. I missed my OnlyFans last week, but there will be one this week uh, on Friday. So Wednesdays and Fridays, or maybe it'll be Wednesdays and Mondays. I don't know. I'm still deciding on a schedule. But they have less members, and I wonder if that works to their advantage. On the other hand, if you have more members, you have more people that people can attach to. But I think that like having more members makes it to where getting into them feels a lot more overwhelming. Yeah, because it's like twice, almost twice the members of BTS. So I feel like I don't know anybody, really. And they're just all, especially when I also watched a video where they were eating together over Zoom. And they were all talking and I was like, this is so chaotic. So I think I do wonder what the magical number is as far as like getting into an artist and what feels more approachable and easier. Because I just am like overwhelmed. So that's 17. In any one video, watch it, listen to it. I really, really love that. Uh, so I feel like we should talk about SF9 because I feel like I've sort of brought SF9 to the Sister Wives. I get videos about uh, he who shall not be named all the time. He's he's really trying to attack me. So let's actually just like talk about SF9. So there's nine members all born from 1993 to 2000 Uh, they did a mini album that came out this month they were on kingdom Uh, and kingdom they were which was the stray kids and the boys right and then icon icon i don't know anything about except for i hear people talk about the bobby guy a lot maybe i should look into icon next All of them are very good looking. Like I feel like they were meant to be a visuals group uh, and they're all tall and they're all really, really good looking. So I took a look at the teardrop comeback again with that dance move and it's just, It's just the song itself is not really hitting me. Maybe it'll grow on me, but they're all really good performances. They're very dramatic performances. I feel like it's like very classic K-pop where like if you were to like show somebody a random video, it would look like this. Like I always say that like the classic K-pop look is sort of like an EXO video or something like that. It's giving me that vibe. Like I said, they are all beautiful, like really good looking guys. And I'm curious to see more. It's interesting because Taeyang, he's like beautiful, but it, okay. here's what's interesting about it. Like all of them would be visuals in another group. So the video itself has, oh, there it is. Maybe I like it. It's got 3 million views, 4 million views. It was released on July 5th. So those numbers are not, gosh, I always talk about this, how looking at numbers of other groups is like it's sometimes hard to see usually i try to gauge it against like when i was looking into 80s and some of the other small artists let's look them up let's look at their social media mm-hmm. okay maybe it is So SF9 doesn't have quite a million followers, but I know that he has... Okay, he has 810K, so they're still pretty small. They debuted in 2016, so they're not quite rookies, 17, 18, 19, 20. So he's been around for a while, so I'm curious why he's hitting now. But you know... That's the thing about Korean culture as far as like the idols are concerned, everybody looks good. You need a little extra. So yeah, he's had his account since last since 2019. I wonder if the other members have accounts and how popular their accounts are. This one member has 210. So yeah, so he definitely has way more than the other members. They're so cute. I will be eager to see the next release. Yeah, I don't know if I am into the song enough to really get into it. And I didn't see a lot of media around them. Oh, this one, he has 900k. All right. And there's not enough personality content that I could see for me to like fully get invested. But we're, we're, SF9 is on the grown ass fandom radar. Like I said, lots of you guys are like, I see them everywhere now. And I'm like, I've brought this evil to our households. That's my fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's not evil. It's just, you know, it's so hard to like add new, especially I feel like my life would be easier if I wasn't into BTS. Like if you're not into BTS, then I would probably have a lot more room in my heart for like 17 and these other artists. Thank God Blackpink. I mean, like, obviously last week I talked about how like I want so much more for Blackpink and that they should be more active. But if they were, I don't know what I would do. It's like a very chaotic Time So that's SF9. I will put their video in the description. Let me know what you think of the song. Are you into it? Are you not? Who should I look up next? And that's it for that. Let's move on to, I guess let's finish our review of Map of the Soul 7 let's look at the rest of the map of the soul seven and then i will put the official like ranking sheet on my instagram if you are not a part of my instagram grown-ass fandom on instagram it's a fun time so now we're going to do the back half louder than bombs on a zero clock and a child friends moon respect we are bulletproof outro ego on and so we are again answering the questions what are the best songs what is the song that's like the least favorite whose era was it all that stuff listen we don't even have to talk about this much we know what the worst song on this half is and it is on featuring sia it is just egregious like every time and it's so funny because somebody mentioned this that when you hear bt for a while when i was hearing bts in public it was always on but it had sia on it and i was like this is a travesty understand on overall I think on is a great song but I am so confused by it like when you look at the lyrics and then you look at the different videos versus the manifesto versus the you know everything else I find it I find that era confusing and it was like the uh, some of the first stuff I saw but I think on as a song is really really great I know it's underrated I think a lot of army don't like it and they say that it signals like the start of a change for bts but i don't think so i think it's still a great song Ugh is my favorite song on the album like it's just so listenable you never skip it like you never skip ug and again this is like a taste thing ratchet army in the house it's what i love it's what i love oh i i skipped louder than bombs louder than bombs again is like one of those songs that it's so interesting i don't think we have time to talk about this this week but next week i saw this tiktok that really talked about why paradise is not a song that they sing very often and it's really interesting because sometimes you sort of find the the bts agenda inside of the songs that they choose to sing when they have the option so like when they have the options to sing a song outside of dynamite or fucking butter or now fucking permission to dance whatever they sing a lot of times it's It's always, like, it's not louder than bombs. It's always, like, make it right. What are some of the other songs? But, yeah, I just think that it's really interesting how you can see some of the intention of how they want to be positioned in it. We Are Bulletproof, The Eternal is not my type of song. Zero Clock is also not my type of song. (laughs) Like, again, I really respect and love these songs, but a lot of them just are not ones that I go to and listen i feel the same way about inner child friends i like but i feel like friends is such like a uh, a circumstantial song like because of the nature of it and the sound it's not really like a song that you like will sit back and listen to to me it feels more like a like a song that's like a part of a a part of something so it's like A part of a movie, a part of a series, a part of like another experience. Does that make sense to you? Like it's one of those songs. I love Moon, y'all. Moon is that bitch. And it's so funny that Moon is that bitch to me. And it's also like a really rewarded song. Like, I think it was picked as one of the best pop songs by Rolling Stone, just completely randomly. And I think it's just because it's just like a, it is, it's just like such a perfect pop song. His voice sounds amazing on it, the way it floats and like moves. And I don't know, it's just like a chill song. I love Respect, but Respect is one of those songs that, again, I don't think you really, really get into until you saw the performance. I don't know if you guys watched Bang Bang Con, but the performance of Suga and RM was like very early on in my BTS journey. I was like, these two men are the finest men on the planet. Like The vibes, there's this one part where Namjoon gives Suga this look, and I'm like, I literally don't know what I'm going to do with myself after this. I am beside myself. I cannot believe that he did that. It was just so good. It was so good. So I think the song on its own it's vibey but it doesn't really have the impact i don't know like i like respect but i like i said i don't know if i like respect because of it on its own or if it's because every time i listen to it i see them in those fits performing it and their energy and their chemistry of their live performance makes it so much better i think it's the same way i feel about um filter with jimin is that that song is just really lifted by his performance ego is a masterpiece what I, hobie hobie is everything and more hobie is everything and more anytime he does anything it's great he's perfect what do you want me to say what the fuck do you want me to say like everything he does everything he touches turns to gold he's just completely that bitch and he just ego is great like the vibe of it the energy i just love it i don't know you guys know that i'm a i'm oh oh2 but I, hobie just does something to me and then of course on Sia, which is the worst Thing ever so for me like i said the strongest song on this half of the album to me is definitely followed closely by maybe on and moon those are my favorites uh, the least favorites are definitely on feet sia and then there's just like a bunch of songs on this last half that are just not personally my style i'm very much more top heavy again again i think i said this the album is way too long Album is way too fucking long. And I think somebody explained repackaging to me in my Discord about how, like, they'll have songs on one album and then they'll put them on another album so that they can package them up and give you new photo cards and stuff like that. So I don't know why they couldn't have taken half of these songs and put them on another album. Very strange. Who, okay, so those are like my favorite, least favorite songs. Who do I think owned the back end of this? I think probably if I look at the list of the back end of these songs and the impact and what I like, I would say Hobie. Hobie's Vase, Hobie's Vase, Hobie's Verse in Ugg is just incredible. It's just incredible. And I really love um, the Ego outro. And so I might give it to him for the back end. But like Moon. Very, very good. Very, very good. And what is my favorite moment of the MOT7 era overall? So definitely the MOT7 concert. I think we already talked about this, how I really loved the performances, especially the shadow performance was my favorite of that. I just think that like the... The circumstances around my time, I think, is what makes that performance such a highlight on the show is because he was like fucking like JK was just like fucking staring at his clock, looking all soft and shit. And then he came out looking like the fucking like a porn star, fucking sex cult leader. I just thought that that dynamic is really interesting. And I feel like it's felt in the song about like the loss of innocence and like your your relationship with your youth. I just found that very interesting and uh, so yeah I thought that the that concert that digital concert was really really good I feel like the first one they were just figuring out oh how do we do this the second one they really got a sense I think the best thing about Big Hit and you know I give Big Hit shit all the time but the best thing about them is that their ability to learn well when it comes to production or when it comes to scale and other stuff to learn and adapt to things really, really well, I think they understand that really well. I mean, you could say that it's probably more reactive and they could be doing a better job. But I do think that, like, the transition between Bang Bang Con and MOT7 concert and even to... um muster, like having them in an outdoor space and having it feel more real from them. is just them constantly evolving to the times. God, this was released February 21st, 2020. Gosh, times were different. But yeah, those are my thoughts about the album. What do you think overall? So okay, so like overall, who takes the album? I want to say This one's hard. This one's really hard. I keep in my my mind, keep saying Hobie, 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 Hobie. Even though it's so funny that like, like one of the biggest conversations around this album is how there's not enough Hobie, maybe sugar. I don't know. This is hard. There's too many songs. <laughs> there's too much content in order to really do it. I guess when I put my image up, you will know what my answer is but yeah that's map of the soul seven and i think that's it. okay i think that's it for this week's episode uh, i wonder how we did on time like i said i tried to get in and get out y'all if you have not joined the patreon please do i will have a only fans out this week if you join at the five dollar level you can join the discord which is amazing right now i i really want to write a fanfic for practice and we have a group in the group that's all about fanfics and having fun and making stuff and writing and so it's just like a really good community because it's like inspiring me and if you join it I'm sure it'll inspire you and the discord's only going to get better so if again if you want k-pop friends go ahead and jump into the discord and if you ever need help or if you jump in the discord and you're like I don't know you can reach out to me once you get in there and make sure that you follow the new instagram grown-ass fandom tiktok hey shanae and i think that's it for this week y'all have a good one i'll talk to you next week bye (S) Somebody go with you. Yeah, 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 you know we like the touching and the loving And we don't need no husband and the function So I keep it coming, yeah, you know I'll be ready So give me that loving, well, how can we all We the we the the though the we I that. Yeah. to the flow here's to the pretty young thing with the big old goals we don't gotta act nice we don't gotta act right we never causing no fights but i still give you the smoke yeah i spy I you call my eye eye but boy i ain't worried about you tonight i be going on and on they keep on playing this song and we don't do it